Well, hello, my name is Jesse, and welcome to another podcast session of The Library is Open. Today we have a very special guest with us, Nancy Pearl. Nancy, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so Nancy, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the library world. Um, well, I got into the library world because my children, <clears throat> the children's librarians at the library, the public library where I went when I was a kid, were just absolutely wonderful to me. And they really um, took this very unhappy child that I was and gave me the world. Um, it just showed me how how wide the world is and how there were ways to be other than the ways that I was. And I just, I mean, I, I, I like to say, and I think it's true, that they really saved my life, especially one librarian, Miss Whitehead. And I, I knew when I was about 10 years old that I wanted to be a children's librarian like Miss Whitehead because I wanted to give back I wanted to give to other children what she gave to me, this sort of total acceptance and, and really love and books. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that, and, and I never really wavered from wanting to be a, a children's librarian. Um, you know, I went through high school and college and got my master's degree and was a children's librarian um, for a few years. And then you know, <clears throat> life happens, and I, I just sort of felt like there was other directions in the library world that I wanted to go into. So that's have, a, a little shorthand. <laughs> I, I feel I got into the library world the same way. My, my daughter is now two, and um, reading the books with her, you know, at night before we go to bed, right. I think about going to the library and, and, and sitting in those little circles and, and listening to the librarians right. read to us. It just, it brings back so many memories. Yeah, I, you know, Miss Whitehead was Canadian. I grew up in Detroit and Miss Whitehead was Canadian. And so the books that she introduced me to were all the British authors, um, Mary Poppins and Tolkien and um, the Narnia books, all, yeah. all of those, all of those books. And, um, they were, she, she would say to me, when she met me, I was about seven years old, maybe a little older, well, around then. And yeah. all I was reading were the horse and dog books, you know, as yeah, many, yeah, yeah. many girls did. Uh -huh. And Miss Whitehead would say to me, Nancy, I have a brand new horse book in by Marguerite Henry. Do you want to be the first person in the library to read that book? And of course, I would, I mean, who wouldn't want to be the first person in the yeah, library yeah. to read a book? And, you know, I would hold out, i say yes, and I would hold out my hand for the book. And she would say, this is the first example of bait and switch that I was ever introduced to. And I would hold out my hand for the book. And she would say, oh, but wait a minute. First, I want you to read this book. And she would give me um, one of the books that she knew that I would love. I was a big fantasy reader. Um, okay. Of course. So, yeah. So it was Miss Whitehead that, that really started me on this great path that I've been fortunate enough to be on. What a beautiful memory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 
2011 was a monumental year for you. You were named the <laughs> 2011 Librarian of the Year um, from Library Journal and then the um, 2011 Lifetime Achievement Award from the Pacific Northwest uh, Booksellers Association. How has that really helped you share your passion for libraries even further? Um, I think that the, the interesting combination of those two wonderful awards that year kind of validated in a way the fact that you can be a librarian you're always a librarian whether you're working in a library or not and and my feeling has always been what i've always wanted to do and love to do is talk about books and recommend books to people based on their interests um and and getting those two awards i think helped validate that view of being a librarian. It was great on, it was just a wonderful honor. I love that you said that. Once a librarian, always librarian, no matter where you're yeah. working. That's true. Right, right. So what was your reaction to becoming something of a celebrity in the library world? Well, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 you know, I, I feel like, uh, for instance, the librarian action figure, I, you know, yeah, I was the yeah. model for that and all of that, but, you know, it really stands for all the good work that all the librarians do. And, um, you know, I've just, I've just personally just been fortunate enough to have this kind of worldwide platform um, of talking about books, the importance of books and reading. Um, yeah. in, in people's lives. And so, you know, everything that I do, I do, I think, for the, for the greater good of, of um, you know, I believe people should read for pleasure. And, and I think that um, that's what libraries, that's what libraries could help people do. I think that reading, reading makes us more, gives us more empathy, gives us a way of learning about the world and and it's it shouldn't be a chore you know your two-year-old should should love the books not because reading is good for her yeah. but because reading is just a joyous and should be a joyous activity yeah she is as soon as we do our bath she runs into our front room where all the books are and <laughs> picks out the book for the night so she, she right gets, she gets so excited and, you know, the, the books that you probably read as a kid and the books that even I read as a kid, Madeline, you know, yeah, and yeah. Old House in Paris, all of those, the nursery rhymes, all those books are just so wonderful. Those rhyming books with those strong rhymes are so good for, for that, that age, you know, oh, yeah. two to four. Oh, yeah. We were, she, she, she's. She'll be two next month, and she's already mm -hmm. we twinkle twinkle little star. We have an, one of the uh -huh. small nursery ones that are her favorite, and she could already repeat that one back to us, you know, and say right. that one with us. So it's wonderful. I think one of my favorites for that age, the books that I always give as a baby gift is um, "Hippos Go Berserk," the Helen Boynton book. Do you know that? Oh one? yeah, yes, it's yeah. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, May ha might have to read that one tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so Nancy, you're a pro prolific reader. What first tell us, you know, what are you reading right now? 
Um, well, right now, I just, I'm reading a new novel that's coming out later this year by um, Martha McPhee, who is the daughter, I believe, of John McPhee, the, the um, well-known nonfiction writer. And this yeah. is a novel, this is um, a novel, um, I'm not even sure quite what it's about yet, but it's telling the story of um, a, a woman who takes her two young children to really build a new life for herself at the early years of the 20th century in, Mo in uh, Montana. And I'm one of those people who, first of all, I love character-driven novels. That's pretty much all I all I, that's, that's what I love. If I'm reading fiction, I love character driven novels. And when I wrote my novel, George and Lizzie, yeah. you know, that is like the definition. I wrote it for myself because I, I was at a time when I couldn't find anything that was really pleasing me to read. And I had thought about these two characters, George and Lizzie for a long time. And I just sat down and wrote this book for me, so I would have something to read that met my particular needs for that. Um, so, so I'm reading. So, I, so I'm reading this new Martha McPhee book, um, and it's called An Elegant Woman. And I always say when people love, um, you know, I teach a lot of readers advisory. I do a lot of readers advisory teaching at various library conferences and. Uh -huh. um, I taught that at, at the University of Washington Library Information School for a number of years. But I always say when people are looking for a character-driven book, the best way to find a character-driven book is to look for a book that the title is either the name of the character or descriptive of the character. So an elegant woman, you know, is going to be a character-driven book. Yeah. And, I, and I'm just thoroughly just just kind of loving that. So. And I love that not only because it's character driven, but because I've always felt that even though I was born in Detroit, I was supposed to be born in Montana. Um, that's where the stork was supposed to drop me off, but was misguided <laughs> and, and I, you know, ended up in Detroit because I have loved Montana writers. Yeah. I love Montana writers or I love books about Montana. So this is this Martha McPhee is fulfilling both of those loves of mine. Oh, fascinating. So what's your process? Do you usually read several books at a time or do you hop around or do you like to finish something first? Um, you know, I have this very um, deep belief that you shouldn't finish a book that you're not thoroughly enjoying. And, um, and, and I, I think that, you know, I came many years ago, I was on the radio and uh, we were doing, I was doing a live call-in program and the woman called in and said, you know, I'm reading this book and I'm just not enjoying it. How many pages do I have to read before I can give it up? Yeah. And I said, well, you know, I came up with this just off the, I mean, just really, <laughs> I just came up with this rule, um, which, which has become sort of like it's set in stone and people quote it back to me. But if you're 50 years of age and under, you should give a book 50 pages and then decide whether you want to keep reading it or not. And if you, you know, at the end of page 50, if all you care about is who the murderer is or who marries whom, turn to the last page. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, the, our, 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 Amazon and our government know lots about us, but whether we finish the book or not, they don't know that yet. Or I, I hope. Um, and then, 
and then um, when you're 51 and up, time is time gets shorter. You know, it's less time yeah. in your in your life um, that you should subtract your age from 100, and that number, which gets smaller every year, is the number of pages you should read before you can give up a book without guilt. And then when you turn 100, you can legitimately judge a book by its cover. So, so <laughs> that's my rule. And, I, and, and yeah, you love that. I love it. I love it, Nancy. I love it. <laughs> um, but I, I really feel like if you, you know, with our reading, so much depends, whether we like a book or not, is so dependent on our moods. And I think everybody has probably had the experience of reading a book, trying to read a book, not enjoying it, and then going back to it, I don't know, a year later or six weeks later or six days later, you know, and finding that your mood has changed and it's exactly what you're looking for. So my feeling is that even if I give up on a book um, at page, now I just stop whenever I get bored or I yeah, get annoyed yeah. at an authorial tick I you know um but I, no matter I always leave open the possibility that I'm going to go back to that book and indeed if somebody that I you know have a lot of respect for says oh Nancy you know I love this book I feel like oh yeah I can go back and try it again um, and I've had many experiences where I have not enjoyed a book and I've tried a book three times and it's the fourth time that, um, that I try it, that I really am in the right place to encounter that book. And I think that's so important. I'm going to go back now and, and there are some books that I can remember picking up and putting down and I just could not get through it. And, and I didn't, I think that you make a valid point there. It just could be the mood that you're in. And I'm going to go revisit some of those that are sitting on my bookshelf that I know that I've put right. aside. <laughs> but remember, if you don't like it this time, give up again. Don't, I mean, I just hate it when we, we feel forced to, yeah. to, you know, to finish a book because everybody else loved it or, um, it's a bestseller or one, the Pulitzer, um, all, all, you know, I've been um, um, on the Pulitzer jury. I was the chair of the Pulitzer fiction jury in 2017. And, and, and really, if you're on those committees, you, you learn that, you know, you, you, you learn that you like books for particular reasons. And in fact, when you're reading a book, you're reading a different version of that book from everybody else who's reading it because you bring to the reading of a book all of your life's experiences up to that moment, right? Yeah, so you, right. You, you read the book through your own experiences. And um, the Paul Auster, who's the novelist and the essay, essayist, wrote in one of his essays, that that he he actually leaves space for the reader in his books, and that in the end he says, um, "I fully believe that books are written by the reader and the author," and I think that that's true. I mean, I yeah. think a great you know if you get a group of readers together, the most one of the most entertaining things is is to have people 
describe the same book, you know, and what you hear is that people describe books very different, describe the same book very differently because they're all reading or have read a different version of that book. Yeah, that's a good point. Nancy, what, what is a, a literary genre you never expected or were surprised to see develop? Oh, you know, I don't even think in terms of, uh, I try to not think in terms of those traditional genres. Uh-huh. I guess that, that I've been, I, I guess I'm getting at this point a little tired of this genre where you have a novel um, that has people in the present and then people in the past and some connection between the two. Yeah. I don't even think that has a name, but I'm I'm getting a little tired of that. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. getting, you know, very tired of the psychological thrillers, the psychological mysteries. Um, yeah. I, I just feel like enough is enough for me. Yeah. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in your library career? Would you say? Um, I, yeah, obviously the biggest change is the um, the introduction of the internet into yeah. the library into the library world. And what's really ironic um, is that when you know when the when the internet and the and libraries were trying desperately to figure out what their role was in this world with the internet. And people were talking about how the public could come to the library and learn what internet sites were um, were reliable, what internet sites they could trust. Yeah, and you know that that was so un, it was you couldn't do that. I mean, it just didn't. People didn't use the internet that way, but what a shame yeah. that, that people don't use the library to do that to, you know, because, because like a library should have books in it that, you know, there's this wonderful t-shirt that I saw once that said, um, there's something in my library to offend everyone. And, <laughs> and I think, um, you know, that's yeah. so true. That's so true. But, Absolutely. Um, so I think, the, you know, the advent of the Internet has certainly been the big change. The other big change um, has been, I think, um, the that books and reading have become far less important to the majority, to many public libraries than they were. And that is very sad, I think. Um, I think there's one thing that libraries, one of the things that libraries do that no other institution does is give you a place to go to find something good to read. Yeah. And, um, you know, the community centers don't do that. Um, no one does that. And I think that if libraries are not emphasizing books and reading in their mission statements and looking at that as a core value, uh, I think that's very, very sad. 
where else can you go and get lost in a book, find a new place to travel, right. how to right. how to change something, you know, in your car or yep. whatever it may be. That yep. there's no yeah. there's nowhere else. Yeah. No, there isn't. And um there's I mean libraries are not just of course repositories for for books. I mean, libraries are the, the, the heart of the community. Yeah. They're the soul of the community. And, and, you know, my background is public libraries and I'm this, you know, huge, <laughs> huge advocate of public libraries being the place where reading and developing the love of reading is, is central yeah. to what a public library does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Nancy. Well, let's take this in a different direction. Play fortune teller for us. Okay. Where, where do you think libraries no. are heading? Oh, gosh, that is so, that's so hard. I have to say I am a real pessimist. So, um, you know, some people see the glasses half empty and some see it half full. I yeah. don't even see a glass at all. Um, <laughs> I, I really, I, I, I just worry. I just worry a lot about the library trying to be all things to all people. And yeah. I worry that we don't do, as librarians, I worry that we don't do a good job in, in selling ourselves to the public. Um, I, I agree you know, 100%. I worry, yeah, I worry about um, that libraries have taken on the role of social workers, yeah, um, social service agencies. I think, you know, librarians have always stepped up where the need was when the great, um, you know, the immigration, uh, the great period of immigration at the beginning of the 20th century librarians, you know, and libraries were places where people were learning English and learning how to be American. And that was wonderful. But librarians are not social workers. And it's a failure of city government to turn libraries into homeless shelters. It should not be the librarians who have to do that. And of yeah. course, we will go on doing that because because that's the need. Yeah. But yeah. boy, I I just blame city governments all over the country for not seeing that. Yeah. Uh, that that's their their job. So you could see I'm a real pessimist. <laughs> I I I want to go back to to you know what you said about librarians not selling marketing themselves yeah. you know I, I i truly believe that too it's so many times i'll be out even at the grocery store you know you start talking to somebody in line with you and the library comes up in conversation or books and you know so many people don't even know about the options to that they can check out ebooks yeah. or or things <laughs> exactly. like that you know and right and there's just so many so many options for for people that they just don't know about and that's that's always one of my missions is trying to find out how we can help libraries market themselves a little better so they know that that, that we're still a, a viable part of society right right and that there's still a need for a building yeah um, you know uh, I think that's another thing that's going to become harder and harder is because we don't 
show people what we do and what we do really well. So, yeah, 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 I agree. I agree. Now, what I get is people always saying, what should I read? You know, the people who, yeah. <laughs> who I meet in Seattle, somebody stopped me. I was walking across the street the other day and this boy said, and I always, I, I walk every morning and I wear yeah. a University of Michigan baseball cap on my head uh-huh. um, as a kind of disguise. And someone said, Nancy Pearl, is that you? I said, <laughs> yeah, it is. He said, thanks for telling me about the cowboy and the Cossack. I love that book. And so and then he drove <laughs> on and I walked on. So that's the kind of thing. And that's so wonderful. I mean, yeah, that's a that wonderful is... feeling for me if you, you know, you tell somebody about a book and they love the book. That's, yeah. that's what I hope we can train librarians. We can continue to train librarians to learn how to do that. Oh, that's wonderful. So Nancy, you almost just answered my last question for you. So I want to tell our library listeners out there, what do you think are the most important skills to cultivate for continued success in our our future libraries? Well, obviously, I think um, from my perspective, obviously, I think what we need to do is um, help people find their next good book. Yeah, And we do a very good job of that, you know, with, with children, um, young adult librarians, teen librarians are really, you know, are, the majority of teen librarians that I've met are so energetic and so enthusiastic. They do a really good job with that. But I think that um, I, I, I sure would like to see more, uh, more librarians working with adult readers to help them find good books to read. And that goes back to what people are learning in, um, in it to get, when they get their MLS or their um, yeah. Masters of Information in Library Science. So I, I think that's a really important skill for a librarian to have. Excellent. Well, Nancy, this has been a Fantastic podcast. I love talking with you. I could spend another whole hour talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for another podcast of The Library is Open.